this one teacher who, Mr. Wall, and the one thing he had said, and this is what I would tell to my students, piano students, it's like, you know what? If you're gonna make a mistake, I don't wanna hear a wimpy one. I wanna hear you go for it. You know, I don't wanna hear this little tentative thing, you know, that, you know, it's just like, and then you just make this little tiny make mistake, you know, because you know, what is that? You know, if you're gonna go for it, you, you know, you go for that song, you know, you're gonna hit a wrong note, okay. But you know, don't just do this wimp. And so I may not have had super technique, but I think I played with a lot of emotion. Hello, Musical Minds listeners. Today I have a special gift for you guys. Um, yesterday was Mother's Day, Sunday the 14th, and this will be going up Monday, uh, Musical Mondays, May 15th. And what I have in store for you guys today is I interviewed my own mother. Um, her credentials is she has been a piano teacher for 25 years in the Napa area with her business, Music for Little People. She has a bachelor's in music education, master's in music therapy, and she must have done something right because she raised three kids, me being one of them, in music and really instilled a love for it. And uh, so what I hope to get out of this interview is uh, shedding light on the role of a teacher, pedagogy techniques, how where the overlap is with parenting, um, and also just the role that music plays in a young person's life. I think my mom really prides herself on instilling a love for music at an early age uh, to her students, and so they all look back on their memories of piano lessons very fondly. And so I hope you enjoy this special episode with my mother. If you are new to the show, my name is Eric. Um, I'm a pianist in the Bay Area, and I predominantly focus on classical music and I've been looking over the stats recently, and I've been noticing that we have a couple listeners from India and Canada and Australia, and so I just want to commend you guys. Thank you guys. It's kind of exciting to know that this uh, project is kind of getting out to other people, and people are finding some value in it, so I very much appreciate it. Um, we're about to break fi- uh, 400 plays on the episode, so... Um, that's exciting. That just that it's gaining steam, and that uh, it seems like people are benefiting from this message. So, if there's anything that you just really are dying to hear and for me to speak about, feel free to comment and uh, really make this a communal sort of contribution to music. Um, raise your questions and comments or review. Uh, offer criticism, positive, negative. Um, in an objective fashion, that's more than okay. Thank you for tuning in. And I am currently uh, accepting new students, so if you're interested in having a free uh, Skype consult to um, just get a sense of my teaching style, I'd be happy to set aside 30 minutes with you to have a little lesson for you if you're interested in classical piano and music theory. So. Also, if you want to stay up to date with the podcast and getting new episodes downloaded straight to your iPhone on iTunes, then you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can also join the mailing list in the show notes. There is a link to, um, to my mailing list, uh, very top. And so I can send out emails to those who are subscribed to the email list. 
Um, and anyway, so this has been a very long introduction, but um, I hope that you guys get some benefit out of it. Um, maybe it'll uh, enlighten some conversations with your own parents. Um, and yeah, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Musical Minds Podcast, where it is our job to flesh out the mindset and ways to cope with the struggles that ensue in becoming a high-performing musician. Hosted by Eric Reinhardt and Jake Pietroniero. Now let's get on to the show. Cynthia, mom, would you just introduce yourself? How would you explain your musical background? to any listeners? Well, it's pretty varied, but um, I started violin, I think at third grade, and hated it, and Mm. mainly because it hurt, because I had no shoulder pad, and I think the teacher, I wish she had clued in, but I threw that one away, and uh, the violin, and then um, I started piano at fifth grade and had an absolutely wonderful teacher, and for a year and so that was the start of my piano and then uh, continued on with several other teachers which left different marks on me which perhaps we might go into at a later time and then um, I did pick up violin again because a new teacher found out I had played once um, before and even though against my constantly saying that I didn't want to play he found out I did play, so I did pick that up again and played for many, many years. And then, um, kind of falling into it, I ended up uh, becoming a piano teacher in 1991. So I just finished my 25th year of piano teaching in um, in June. So um, I've taught piano, uh, that was 25 years um, in June, so have touched many, many lives. As I've seen in your music business and just the way that you handle your students, um, the thing that you make very important is instilling a love for music and having lessons that are fun. And um, uh, would you speak to that or why you think that's important? How you're influenced to be that kind of teacher? Okay. I think partly it's because of maybe what I did not have. I don't think that um, I really, up until you talked to me earlier about my first teacher, I don't think I really focused in on that. Sometimes we don't focus in on the good, we focus in on the bad. So just like if you've had a bad parent, um, you say, I'll never be that kind of parent. And so when I became a piano teacher, it was more like, I will never be that kind of teacher that I had because I had a few really bad teachers and who left some very strong marks on me, really negative marks where I you know, quit piano, I had migraine headaches, um, I did, certainly did not want to perform, and so I did, wanted to be nothing like those kind of teachers. And so um, I wanted it to be something that the kids loved. 
and or love and also one thing I didn't mention is I also I'm a music therapist um, and not necessarily that you know I'm not in there doing music therapy for your child or the children that come in there but um, with music therapy it's all about the process not the product and so you know the majority of students who have come through my you know into my studio you know are not all these little Mozarts and you know probably you know every teacher you know and I'm sure even you in your short career of piano teaching you know hopes for that you know incredible kid who's gonna come in and, and play piano you know you know it's just gonna be this virtuoso but um, you know I I've definitely had um, a, a large handful um, you know well maybe not that large for 25 years but maybe seven, eight, nine, that have become composers and incredible piano players and um, have gone on into music. Um, so really not that many for 25 years. However, I have had many, many, many students who um, in those years I have heard from again and again who have told me how music carried on in their lives in one way or another, how they went to college and that when they were lonely, they brought their, you know, their books out and there was a piano in the dorm room and they played and it was like bringing a piece of themselves from home and that they could play when they were feeling lonely. And so it was something that they had that was personal. And so it it's just something that I feel is so important to teach them that it's, um, you know, something, you know, not just about playing for a recital, but something for them. And so I think with each student that comes into the doors is finding what makes them tick. What not every, you know, you're not going to give the same song to every single student. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, if you have a really, really good doctor, you don't give the same prescription for every single you know, um, person who walks in the door. Some doctors do, and I think those are not very good at doctors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you find, you know, one kid is going to love rock and roll, and one kid is going to love playing Beauty and the Beast, and one kid is going to love boogie, you know, boogie woogie. Um, you know, maybe you might take uh, one of those things and start adapting it, you know, to a bunch of those students. But, um, you know, you find out what really works for each of them and, you know, just make it really come alive. Is there anything that you found in your your career that helped with relationship development of, with your kids? Um, do you mean personal relationship? Yeah. Um, honesty. I'd say that the biggest thing was is that I did not want a student coming in and pretending that they'd practiced when they had not. Mm. I can remember one of these teachers I had, he had a um, student of the month club. And if I think um, you had to have eight A's and A's were by, you know, uh, percentages. And so you, you know, he would grade every part of your lesson from your scales, Hannon, you know, your songs, you know, 92, you know, 89, so I might pull it up a little bit, you know, and you'd walk out of your lesson, you know, with, you know, a 92, 89, whatever. And then if you got 10 of those, um, you would become student of the month. And so it was this pressure, you know, every single week, you know, of, oh my gosh, especially, you know, if you're a perfectionist, right? You know, that, you know, am I going to get that A? And so I... Um, I just, you know, 
always was worried, you know, am I going to get that A? And there were times when life hits, especially as you get older, that you have homework or, you know, one time happened with me, my mom, you know, uh, sprained her ankle and I was 15 and I had to help around the house. And, and so, well, one, I could have lied or one, I could have been honest. So guess what? I chose to be honest. Hmm. Well, guess what I got? I got an 89 and three quarters for my lesson. You know, now he could have been nice and he could have, you know, said, well, maybe not grade this week or something. But so for me with my students, you know, I don't want them to fudge and have to pretend and say, you know, oh yeah, I practiced. I'm working on that right now with one of my students and she's telling me how she practiced. And I know darn well she doesn't, you know, didn't practice. But um, I don't want them to feel that they have to say to say that, you know, it's like I, I will encourage them to be playing at home, you know, not coming in every week and saying that they're not practicing, but, you know, I want to keep that that open. But, and then I think from that, the personal relationship grows when you begin that honesty. And when I've had, I tell you, I have a huge longevity rate with students. And when I have kids who start, you know, young, you know, but not necessarily the ones who start at six. Sometimes they burn out. But I'd say ones necessarily who sometimes maybe start at fourth, fifth grades. They're the ones who would normally go till graduation. Um, and, you know, so I, you know, so they're playing a good long time. And by the time they've gotten into, you know, 17, 18, you're sharing a whole lot more than just, you know, the piano. And, um you know, it becomes a personal, you know, personal other than piano. And, you know, by then you've developed a really nice relationship with the parents and they trust you also and know that um, you're not going to, you know, cross any boundaries with the kids. Um, but, you know, I've developed, you know, my favorite part is probably having a mentor relationship with the kids. Hmm. Um, so now I want to transition into the way that you thought about mothering budding musicians or uh me jd Uh brother and sister victoria um and so um let's really focus in on me to start with because i'm i'm like trying to think about back when i was taking piano lessons or i I can barely even remember the a time when i didn't know how to read music or i don't remember learning bass class or something but i don't also remember don't have i don't remember having lessons uh and um could you go into what it was like teaching your own own son Um, because i don't think it was a very pleasant experience well actually it wasn't bad but you didn't you didn't take lessons until i think i'm gonna say fourth grade um uh, sometime in the fall and i remember saying I had one student drop and I and I I remember saying to you if I don't put you in one of these spots we're never going to have a lesson because if we keep talking about it like the you know the you know shoemaker's kids who doesn't have shoes you know um you're not going to have lessons you know we are going to keep talking about it and it's never going to happen so you you know filled one of my piano spots and you know I think that may have lasted for three, four months, if that. Um, and it became more that, you know, I don't think it was a, a horrible experience. Um, you might have thought it was a horrible experience. Um, I think it was way worse with Victoria, let me tell you. Um, but I think that it, it got to a point finally when you said enough, 
you know, you're ready to go off on your own yeah. and, you know, you'd, you'd learned enough. And then it became more that you would play and when you got stuck, you would say, you know, well, how do you do this? Yeah. And you'd ask for something. Um, so that's where I, I'd say that you had some formal, a little formal, and that's probably your only formal lessons that I ever gave you yeah. was that very short period. And I would say that, um, if I had, if I had a regret in my life was that I didn't give you kids formal lessons, you know, through you. Uh, through, another, through another teacher. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? Really, you didn't want formal piano. Yeah. It would have been saxophone for you, yeah. trombone for your brother. Mm-hmm. Like your sister's getting voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you be able to just outline uh, the sort of open door uh, attitude that I had um, to the music room in our home? Uh, maybe stories that you remember of, yeah, run with that. Do you mean as far as music experience? No, like, uh, like when I'd have the saxophone between my legs and I'd be playing World of Warcraft and then I'd move into the piano room. Oh, back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think especially it might've been when you were even homeschooled. Um, I remember, but yeah, you, it's like you would... You'd be like maybe on the computer and or watching TV, and then it's like because I can remember it would be like a commercial, and then you'd run back and you, maybe you'd play piano, and then maybe you would have the sax. See, I don't remember the saxophone, but maybe you'd have the saxophone too because you were trying to figure something out. But it would be like you would, yeah, go because I definitely remember it would be between commercials because then you'd run back into it and you'd play a little on the piano, and then you'd run back and. I remember thinking, I wish every kid could be like this, that want, you know, this was not practice. I mean, it was play. It was like you loved it. You know, you did it because you loved it, you know. And Mm -hmm. so that's, um, yeah, definitely you gravitated it because you wanted to play. And I think I remember, I can't remember if it was that year, fifth grade, sixth grade, I don't remember, but, you know, you decide you want to play Furelease, right? So, you know, it's like you were, like, painstakingly working on it, and you're going to do it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, Eric, you know, way too hard, right? <laughs> but no, you were going to do it, right? And you did it. Um, but, yeah, so you you played that at the recital. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just recently, maybe six months ago, I accidentally... <laughs> sold off two trumpets that were never being used and uh my mom was furious furious with me because you have this philosophy cynthia of wanting instruments just to be available um why is that important do you think okay so if this were a tv show you would have seen my eyes roll up in my head just now okay when eric said this yeah when eric told me i oh i yeah i kind of flipped out um, because I said, Eric, you know, what are your kids going to play on? And I think, you know, he just didn't get it. But, uh, you know, I said to him, um, you know, cause, well, I'll tell you what I said in a second. But he after said, well, I'll just buy other ones And um, when I have kids. And, and then I said, well, his brother, his first horn he played on was his dad's trombone. So it was his dad's. Kind of it went down, you know, in the family. And, um, and that was really special, I think. But, um, 
you know, I think I wasn't the kind of parent who, you know, it's like, I don't know if it was during my time, but where parents were, you know, sticking, um, you know, the headphones on their bellies so that, uh, you know, their kids could hear classical music and, you know, all that. You know, I did not do that. Um, however, my um, JD, well, not so much JD because I wasn't teaching piano yet, but Eric certainly, you know, he, my belly was under the piano, so he heard, you know, well, he made, didn't hear any classical really because it was all beginning students, but, and then his little uh, seat was right next to the piano, so he was in the piano room um, listening, but my room was filled, you know, the piano room, I had baskets of rhythm sticks and all different types of, um, you know, tambourines, maracas, you know, um, you know, the trombone, you know, um, kazoos, all different types, you know, um, of instruments that would just be available that, um, you know, the kids could go up and play. And even, you know, I also taught music, uh, the music for little people. I also taught um, at, at a local pre- preschool where the boys actually went when they were little. And so from ages two to five. And so I used all those things over there. And so, um, and then I did actually a couple summers have the class over at my house. And occasionally I would have really young kids. Um, I would teach them. And then pretty much, you know, it really wasn't about the piano. I mean, we, we would hop up and down on the piano. And then we'd hop back down and play the rhythm sticks and all those things. So, um, you know, we would use those um, different instruments. But, you know, that's what really it is, is experimenting. Um, and I think with young kids, that's what it is. That's where it starts, is experimenting. And I remember specifically, I'm trying to think if... Eric, if you were in the picture, but you probably, it, I know there's a video, but do you remember the picture of Trent and JD playing with their noses on the uh, piano? Or you've heard about it, right? I think, so. yeah, I've heard about it. Okay, so they were, I know, and we have a video on it, and it's a crack up. They're playing piano um, with their noses. And I know you're in it too, you're running back and forth, but you couldn't have been more than a year and a half. And they are playing piano, and they are playing with their noses. And, you know, and their fingers and they're experimenting. And, you know, I could have been a parent or a teacher who said, no, you know, piano is just playing with your fingers and this is how you do it. You know, because if I had been a more rigid teacher, you know, I might have, you know, started at that point saying, well, this is how you hold your hands, you know, or whatever. But I wasn't because the boys at that point were, you know, they were three and a half, four. So maybe some teachers would have started teaching them and I could have probably started them. But you know what? To me, it was still all about the fun and letting them experiment and enjoy. So um, that was my approach. And, you know, we have an organ, a giant full-size Yamaha organ, and a keyboard. We're like the land of pianos. Now Eric has a Yamaha grand piano, and I have my Steinway. And it's, I don't know, I think that's the thing the kids also would love would be to go and um, experiment on that giant organ with the foot pedals and just, you know, have fun. Yeah. So what did you tell your parents as far as parental involvement in their musical development when you were teaching? Hmm. Um, well, how old are all of them? Um, age range of, like, Six to eight, maybe six to nine. Okay. Well, I will tell you that most parents think that 
hmm, they'll sign their kids up for piano lessons. They will um, drop their parent, their kid off for lessons. They'll do their lesson. They'll come home. They'll sit down for practice. They will diligently practice their lesson. And then, you know, they'll start growing as musicians. And there we go, right? No, that's not quite how it works. Um, so I, um, when I would talk to them, I, I think I would kind of ask them, um, what were their ideas? First of all, I'd always ask them, who wants these lessons? You know, is it especially, you know, actually, especially if they're younger, you know, even younger than that, I'd say, who, who wants these lessons? And always, if it's littler, I, and I just will put this out to you. If you get people who call you and the kids are three, four, whatever, I can guarantee you the parent will say, but Joey always gets up on the piano and is always playing. And so they think that they should have piano lessons, right? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, because you're going to hear that all the time. But in any case, so one of the things that, um, you know, I, I do let them know is that the more... You know, the, obviously, the more the, the kid plays at home, the more that they'll progress. And the more that they have parent involvement, which might mean that um, they, um, one, they could do it with them. Okay. I'm not a big one in having a parent there, however. So that's not something I really like to do because I really like to have my um, one-on-one time. I think that's really important to develop the relationship. So that's not a big one for me. Um, maybe have a lesson separate um, with the parent. That would be encouraged. Um, but would be a great time, I often encourage, where they, especially if a parent says, well, you know, she's not practicing. And I will say, well, this might be a really good time to that you could be there while she's playing and you could sit there. Perhaps, and you know, you could be sitting there, and you know, maybe you're reading your magazine. You're just, but you're there. Your body's there, or your is your kitchen right there, and you could be cooking, and you could say, "I'm listening while I'm cooking," so that they know that you're present. You know, so that um, you know they don't feel alone. And I think sometimes, uh, sometimes kids just feel alone. Um, but to you know, just to make uh, make them feel also that. They, they care, you know, about it. So, so um, at what point would you say, or if ever, do you really emphasize the importance of, like, standard of excellence and, like, discipline and doing, like, working, working hard for, for something if you really want it, I guess? So um, what do you mean standard of excellence? Like, just realizing that somebody really has the potential to be great and uh at that point you kind of turn their lessons into something more like mm. you have you've had a couple students in the past yes. where where you've recognized that they want it and so then you kind of put on a different somewhat different hat yes. for definitely and okay so you know it's like almost like you can feel it it's they're the students that you will put at the end of your day that no longer are you looking at your clock and saying, okay, is the 30 minutes over, almost over? Um, that you make them into 45-minute lessons and 45 minutes is never enough. That the lesson carries over into an hour 
and the parent is waiting in the car. Are you done yet? And um, so you know the, who those students are, and they want to be there just as much as you do. And it's and frankly, because of that, rarely are you there. And I'm not a crack the whip kind of person anyway, but rarely would it have to be that way. Now I'm not saying that there's not a time that you might be encouraging that, you know, um, working more on scale passages might um, help you in, um, you know, in this etude, or working on these arpeggios might help you, you know, might assist you more in this, where you're, you know, you're directing them, you know, so I think that that's important. But I'd say most kids at that level are very receptive, you know, to that. But I think what I learned is having to be very, very careful about, um, and I don't know if this is another one of your questions, but I would only take my students to a certain level um, as a piano teacher myself, um, and usually to about a late intermediate. And then after that, because I no longer, you know, or I don't perform, um, don't feel it um, right because I'm not playing at an advanced level anymore, that um, if I'm not playing at that level, that I can teach that level. So I will, there's a teacher that I will move them on to and I'll call and see if there's a spot available. What I have to be very, very careful about is the student there because of me or is the student there because of the piano? Because I wasn't sure about one student once and I was kind of on the fence and the parent, um, a spot opened up. I was waiting till the fall and a parent, it was two girls and a parent, a spot opened up, which I didn't know about and the parent pulled the kids. Um, kind of unexpectedly that I didn't know about. And within two months, the the girl stopped. Huh. And it, it had nothing. So I knew it was not, it was, it was because of me that she had been taking piano. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that as a boastful thing, but I'm saying it was a sad, it was sad mm -hmm. because I think she would have continued. Yeah. She wasn't ready to move. She, she wasn't ready to fly out of the nest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're coming up towards the end of the interview. Um, so, um, I think the, what I'd like to end with is, um, just some parting piece of wisdom as far as, uh, this audience of maybe beginner intermediate at the ages of somewhere around like 18 to 25 somewhere around there and um, this sense they might be having this sense of impatience anxiety about will they ever get good at piano um, have they started too late um, uh, are they good are they good enough and so um, what sort of things would you say to that to that student well, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is never too late, okay? Um, and I've certainly said things to you, my son, and who, if the people who are listening don't know, you started more formal practice about a year and a half ago, and um, very formal practice, I could say classical practice, and 
I believe if it is in your heart and your hopes, it's not too late. Now, let me tell you, I, it, it doesn't mean that you may get to the same place as those classical kids who've been playing since they're four, okay? That may not happen. Who's to say, though? I don't know. But it doesn't mean that you stop your dream or you stop your playing and you give up because then what happened to that, that passion, that dream that, you know, it's like you, you put it away, you put it away in a box. And um, so I, I'd say, you know, go for it, pursue it. And I, I, I'd say, you know, it's like another thing is if, if you get stuck in, in having to be perfect, um, you know, just think about um, what I said earlier about having fun and it's not all about just being perfect. You know, that was another thing that I said to some of my students um, often. Um, and I had to listen to myself again because of not being a performer. Why didn't I, why wasn't I a performer? Because I was always so scared of not being perfect. And so the one thing that I always would tell my kids is you don't have to be perfect. We're not pe perfect people, right? And so I had to start listening and listening and listening until I finally um, ended up playing a, um, two different bots mitzvahs for two of my students. I was terrified, but I did it. And you know what? I wasn't perfect. I made mistakes, but I did it because I, because I loved my students and I shared the love. So, you know, it's, it's not all about being perfect. It's not all about, you know, that end result. Again, it's the process and your love and loving that music and sharing it with other people. Fantastic. Well, I think we should close on that note. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye, Musical Minds listeners. Hello there. It's Eric here. I just wanted to thank you for listening in to the Musical Minds podcast. If you enjoyed this free podcast, would you do me a huge favor and leave an honest review and subscribe to the podcast? It really makes a difference in getting our message visible to musicians in need. Remember, there are so many musicians out there in the world struggling. Always remember you are not alone. If you're inspired by this podcast and you'd like a free 30-minute intro Skype piano lesson, please contact me directly at musicalmindspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, continue feeding the fire of your musical passions and developing your musical mind. Take care.